Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're here today because today we are having an incredible conversation. You know, often as yoga practitioners, we think we're super connected to our body. We think we're, you know, strong and flexible. Maybe we're feeling like skinny and maybe we're feeling energized maybe we we think we're invincible maybe we're feeling like a superhero you know sometimes when you're really on a good practice kick you're practicing six days a week you're doing you know all the postures that you can do you feel really amazing really really amazing but are you really listening to your body are you really making the time to connect you know are you stopping to listen to check in about what your body wants. Are you thinking about how does my body want to move? How do I want to be touched? You know, you can be doing all the right things, but still feel disconnected from yourself. And that's what we're talking about today with our beautiful guest, Sophie Clear. You know, she spent a lot of years, as did both Russell and I, practicing Ashtanga yoga every day, teaching yoga, thinking that we were super embodied. But, you know, sometimes, no matter how much yoga you do, you still are not actually connecting in a deep way and listening to what your body really needs. You're just going through what you've been told you should do in order to be healthy or to uh, receive in spiritual enlightenment or to um, feel energized or good. Maybe you're not even feeling good. Maybe you just are thinking that you're feeling good. Maybe at four o'clock you're feeling exhausted and you have no energy. So This is a really interesting conversation where we're going to talk a lot about self-love. We're going to talk a lot about um, what it means to be embodied, what it means to get back in touch with your sensuality, and um, the journey that Sophie's taken over her years of practice um, to move and transition from teaching Ashtanga yoga full-time and having all of her income dependent on being a yoga teacher to moving more into a coaching experience where she's working exclusively with women who want to take the guesswork out of what sensual embodiment really means for them to reconnect with their body, reconnect with their senses, and, you know, increase their confidence, increase their sense of sexuality, um, help their communication skills, also talk about boundaries um, so that they can live a full, empowered, strong life. And I think that's really what we're all looking to do, right? So um, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun. And I feel like it was a really authentic episode um, in that we're asking some pretty real questions and also sharing some pretty intimate uh, stories, uh, some intimate thoughts about our histories with the practice and how our relationship has changed to pain, to pleasure in our own bodies, in our expressions of intimacy with others, in special people in our lives, uh, with ourselves. 
through these years. So um, yeah, we're going deep. And I think that this is a really important topic to cover because, you know, we don't always talk about what it's like to be a woman um, and move from being a young woman to a middle-aged woman. You know, there's always this never-ending pressure to be younger, slimmer, sexier, you know, as you start to get into your 40s and your 50s, you also feel like maybe you're losing some of this. And there's a lot of pressure to kind of maintain the same routine, the same fitness uh, structure or practice or, or um, regiment that you had when you were younger. And maybe the energy isn't there. Maybe what works for you when you're 20 or 30 doesn't work for you when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or onward. Um, and as women, we take on so much pressure and responsibility to be all these things to all these people, you know, the amazing parent, the amazing partner, the amazing lover, often an amazing entrepreneur or business owner on top of, you know, the pressure to maintain, uh, you know, a, a figure that society looks at and says, yeah, that's, that's sexy. And we might not truly be respecting our bodies, respecting our ourselves, our energy levels, we might also, you know, be taking on all these societal messages and feeling like we're becoming less relevant, less vital, less alive, especially if we're not looking a certain way. Um, and we're dealing with all of this in midlife with fluctuating hormones and different cycles that, um, you know, can make us feel like we're failing on all different levels in all different areas of life. So, um, you know, we're going to really talk about some of these issues. Um, you know, how can we take back our feminine power? How can we, you know, really use our body to have a deep spiritual experience and how also ignoring or disassociating from our body is not actually helping us have a deep spiritual experience. So um, I hope that you love this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. And let's just jump right into it. I think it's really important. If you'd like to work with me in a coaching capacity, you can um, find all the details on my website under coaching. And if you'd like to work with Sophie in a coaching capacity, you can head in over to our show notes and also work with her. My website is Harmony slater.com and sophie's website is sophieclear.com and i i just think that coaching is the perfect complement to a spiritual discipline to an ashtanga yoga practice and i think it's really important that we have mentors and guides in our life um, and a space to explore uh, these feelings these deep inner emotions or thoughts or limiting beliefs our relationship with ourselves our relationship to others um, with someone who can hold that space and reflect back what what is coming up for us you know so I hope that you uh, explore some other avenues outside of just, you know, putting yourself through the primary series, the intermediate series, the advanced series, whatever series you're working on, because yoga is so much more than just a physical discipline. It's so much more than just this asana practice. And if you're not working with a coach or a mentor, if you don't have a teacher or a guide who's helping you in your life, 
um, you're really missing out actually on an essential part of the yoga practice and an essential part of the experience of taking on this practice or living yoga in your life. That's really, really crucial and central to uh, the practice itself. So without further ado, let's uh, jump into this conversation with Sophie Clear. Warning. The following program contains scenes with coarse language and nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm Harmony and here's Russell. I'm so excited to be here today, (laughs) Harmony. I understand that uh, you have the Prime Minister of Great Britain here to speak (laughs) with us and she's going to respond to PMQs. Fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> not quite no <laughs> no today we have the beautiful sophie clear that we're meeting with oh it's not liz truss no no <laughs> hi sophie how are <sighs> you doing <laughs> i'm good although um someone said to me the other day that i have a similar necklace to liz truss apparently so no, i was you, like you, okay <laughs> you do sound just like her though god i do, I do don't i yeah and now i <laughs> I'm trying to sound like her, so. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you know that she resigned this morning? No, shortest, I can't keep up. Shortest serving, uh, shortest serving prime, prime minister, minister in, ever in, in history. history. Yeah, must be a shit is job. Is that true? Because honestly, are you trying to? Is that actually true? Oh, fuck, I'm, you haven't seen. You haven't seen the fucking news, mate. <laughs> Sophie and I are on the same page. We are not keeping up with the news. Turn on the TV. Turn on the telly. She resigned. Yeah, it's done. She's fucked wow. off. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole meme about. Um, this is a head of lettuce. What are the odds that this head of lettuce outlasts Liz Truss? The lettuce won. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't watch the news because, you know. I can you know. see that. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Try and stay away from it. My partner loves it. He just, like, absor- just loves it. I just have to, no. No, it's and too much. Spoken to him yet either today? Yeah. No, no, I'm so surprised because normally he would be like messaging me, going, "Oh my god, this massive thing has happened." But... It has. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. Well, he must be dead. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not be. <laughs> you should really get a hold of him and see how he's doing, because this is this is it's, the big one. Good. I think Jeremy Hunt is going to be your new PM. I mean, I just honestly, just let's not get into politics. (laughs) I I, I just don't know what I'm talking about enough. And B, uh, yeah, it's too much. (laughs) It's a dog's dinner, as they say in Essex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we introduce you a little, Sophie, for our listeners? I'll stop talking. Yes, we don't want to talk about politics. It's so boring. I will will stop (laughs) participating. (laughs) so sophie has been working with women for over 12 years formerly as a yoga teacher and more recently um in the coaching capacity holding empowering spaces for women whether that's women's retreats saunas or self-love retreats and you are passionate very passionate um 
about helping women reconnect to themselves to feel powerful and beautiful and sexy in their midlife. I follow you on Instagram, so I am up on all the things that you're doing and coaching on these days. I'm glad that's not a surprise. (laughs) No. And you've been on countless, obviously, (laughs) yoga trainings and um, courses and retreats on women's health and consciousness and sexuality. And you are a qualified health coach and therapist in training. That's exciting. I didn't know you were training to be a therapist. I am. I decided I needed to have something more solid than being a yoga teacher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. This is really cool. Harm, you, I think... um, you were accredited or caught. I don't. I don't know what the term is. But you were teaching all the little girls in your neighborhood how to masturbate. Oh gosh! You were like <laughs> six or seven at the time, and you was. I think it's caught properly is the term. Caught, I think, is yeah. the term. <laughs> you were six. I think were you six? Yes, yeah. I was involved in uh, women's sexual education at a very young age. <laughs> That's really cool. You two have a lot in common. <laughs> Amazing. I was I was like slightly concerned about like you know my work like just talking about my work and like is that going to be okay on here and then Russ comes out like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah no we're excited we no. want to get into it but first we we want to hear how you got into it yeah. <laughs> mm. sure. so yeah mm. so where do you where do you want to start? <laughs> Where, should, Where we should we start? I think you started about 10 years before I learned how to self-love. <laughs> I think if you look at the dates. Well, you know what? Ooh. Let's talk about how I came to know about you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Which was through your brother, Sean Clear, who I was very good friends with in my sore. Oh, and... I thought that was your husband. No, it's our brother, oh, Sean Clear. Oh, no. That explains so much. <laughs> But why I'm so confused. All right. No, no. He just dropped in today. He has no idea what's going on, <laughs> clearly. I really thought Sean was your husband. And, oh, my God. And so. It's not the first time. It's not the first time. <laughs> well, you're quite close in age, aren't you? No, we're not. Oh, really? No. He's like, uh, no. I mean, to be honest, he's only eight years older than me. But that's okay. kind of a funny thing. Okay. Because especially in Mysore, we used to get yeah. a lot of like, oh, who's older? And obviously that yeah. to me, I loved it. I, you know, did not love it. But yeah. Um, yeah. So no, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. Titch. Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> At a certain stage in life, it's hard to tell who's, who's who. Yeah. It's <laughs> making any difference at some point. But yeah. Yeah, and so you were always like Sean's sister to me. <laughs> I've always been Sean's sister. Yeah, but yeah. The first time you came to Mysore, were you? You weren't like so into Ashtanga yoga. I think you were just like kind of getting yeah. into it. Is that true? I was getting into it. I was getting into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I just kind of like dropped in because Sean had just dropped in, and you know, so. Yeah. Um, like I say, I I um I was just saying before we went and um we went and practiced with uh, BNS Iyengar and yeah. learned a sequence from him, which was a real experience, and everything was <laughs> so quick and you know like on the other side, and um you know it's like primary series in like I don't know forty minutes or something like that. <laughs> I remember it very fast. 
um, and he was just, he was an amazing character. Um, so that was great. That was great fun. And then, yeah, I think from there, that's when I started to really, uh, yeah, really more get into the Ashtanga. I mean, I, I dabbled in yoga from like, uh, I think this, I was 17, the first yoga class I went to. So wow. it wasn't like it was brand new at that point. I'd been doing bits and pieces and mm-hmm. curious about it. And I danced since the age of four. So I've like, you know, I've got, it's mm-hmm. in my moving is sort of like, so I think I was, you're drawn to it from a more of a body place than a spiritual mm-hmm. place. Um, yeah. yeah. Which I think is probably the case for lots of people, but um, totally. yeah. So it, it, yeah. And it really took me the Ashtanga. Yeah. It really, it really, it took me. Um, and there was a point where I just went, yeah, I'm kind of nearly 30. And if I'm not going to get into it now, it's going to be at the time I felt like it's going to be too late. Like, right. you know, uh, in terms of, you know, my, my body and what, you know, it, the ability to kind of do all the crazy stuff. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah but then yeah. you like really got into it. Mm. <laughs> the fun stuff. So yeah, I got, re- yeah, I really got into it. And eventually <laughs> I ended up going to the Shala and yeah. you know, um, like going back and going back and going back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went quite a few times in the end and, um, yeah, ended up, you know, being authorised. But, I mean, that was, a, a when was that, 2014, I think, which, you know, actually wasn't that long ago. It doesn't feel like a long time ago, but actually it was, weirdly. Yeah, I don't know. We're getting up there. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. did you know Andrew Eppler at Iyengar's place? Did you meet him? No, I mean to be honest, we just we just did a, a month there, and then mm-hmm. I just sort of buzzed around to various different teachers in in Mysore. So uh, Sean was going to AJ for a while, so we were going oh, yeah, to yeah. AJ, and he would do his stuff, and you know, it was it was really fun. Like I kind of did a bus stop tour around and like around the Mysore like highlights. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I actually went, okay, now I'm, I'm, I, I think what happened was I started going to Hamish. I think that's what happened, and and right. and, then I, and then I think I started taking it a bit more seriously. Right. So yeah, um, that led you to the Shala. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. So I um, yeah, and I don't think I mean it actually was very quick. The amount of time it took. I know some people wait for like decades to be authorized and it actually was very quick for me so uh yeah so so that was that that's you know that's a kind of I guess like a seven year period eight year period condensed into five minutes yeah great (laughs) one one thing that that I always um remember you posting about at one point and I think this is when you were kind of transitioning out of teaching Ashtanga yoga, because at some point I think you were teaching Ashtanga yoga pretty much full time. Mm-hmm. And then you were like moving more into exploring like different movement styles or like really listening to your body and doing, you know, what, what feels right or good at that day. And you're really, um, you know, talking a lot about really listening and honoring yourself and how, your experience with the practice um, was kind of like taking you away from that. And, and you were like being very restrictive with your diet and like 
with your routine and all the things. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what was it that led you to, to look at what you were doing and be like, this isn't working for me anymore. Oh my God. I think it was, I think it was a hormonal shift on Honestly, (laughs) I think I went into, I, I went into perimenopause pretty early. Um, like, um, I started having kind of issues and irregularities even before th- 40. So, but I had no idea at the time what was going on. So um, I had, I can't, and I will say, I always had a little bit of a tussle with Ashtanga. Like I loved it and hated it at the same time, you know, like it sometimes just felt like I was just hitting myself with a, you know, a stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, self-flagellation. Self-flagellation, <laughs> and there was no one to kind of like tell me what how good I was or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. But um, so so that was always there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I never fully fully bought into it. I think that's like, and maybe that's just like I am slightly skeptical by nature, or so um, so there was always that. And I loved it, you know, I, mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, and then I remember I went to see um, Dina in uh, Byron Bay in yeah. 2018. And and it was really like, I was super excited. My practice was in a great place. I was just like, yeah, it was good. And it was hard. And every day I'd come out and I'd be exhausted and my period had stopped, like it, it just wasn't happening. And I just wasn't, it just didn't feel right. Like nothing really felt right. Everything hurt, um, you know, and I, and I loved Dina as a teacher. Like, I think she's a, an exceptional teacher and, a, and an amazing woman. And I just, you know, I just liked being in the room with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't have the energy for it. I was just exhausted. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the start of it for me. And then, there was just a point where I just, in that year, I think like spring that year, so a little bit, a few months later, that was my last proper practice. I was just like, um, yeah. And it just stopped feeling like the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And that was really painful because, you know, it was my job. Yeah. Way, you know way I created any income for myself so there was a lot of you know it was my identity um Mm -hmm. you know there was so much tight it was my community my friends my you know like so much was tied up it It was just really and at the same time the all the Patabi Joy stuff was going on so there was so much shit going on Mm -hmm. um and so it was just like everything just seemed to sort of culminate in this and in this moment where I just thought I just need to step away from this and see what happens yeah that must have been such a intense kind of choice because when you step away from it it's not just like you're stepping away from like going to the gym or like um, a dance class that you enjoy it's like you're saying you're stepping away from your community your source of income your spiritual kind of practice as well as your your health practice your self-care practice your identity yeah yeah you're you're stepping away from a cult (laughs) (laughs) i i completely i completely understand what you mean it's it i i've very similar experience and it's it is it's a relief do you still practice 
no one would recognize what I do as Ashtanga yoga. He does yoga, but it's not. I wouldn't call it yoga. I mean, he listens it's... to his body. <laughs> I listen to my body. That can literally mean anything, can it? Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> I'm just showing you. It's it's like white linen and kind of like crazy dancing. <laughs> Five rhythms, five rhythm starts. Yeah, that sounds like me, doesn't it? Yeah. And you, Russell, as well as I know you, I can do. That's so. Oh God! But it's it's really it's. I would. I mean, you don't have to answer. You don't have to talk about whether or not this is a cult or not. But I, I, I feel like it is. I feel like it is all the the earmarks of it, and I feel like that mm-hmm. it's it it's so much at the very least it's a culture and so much of what we do is it is just wrapped up in every single facet of our life that mm-hmm. to to ask yourself like is it even even reasonable to date someone outside of the circle you know and like it's oh, right. <laughs> right that's like, for yeah. sure. Honestly, like my dating life when I was deep in the in my practice was the worst it's ever been. Like it was <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. And the interesting thing was I was, you know, you know, a yoga teacher and, you know, all of this. And but actually, like the choices I was making for myself were terrible choices. So I wasn't I felt and actually just like leaping back to what you were saying, Harmony, about not mm-hmm. listening to my body. That was it. That was it. It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even listening to my body outside of my yoga practice or even inside of my yoga practice because, you know, there's that reaching, always reaching for the, Mm -hmm. for the, you know, the deeper pose, the, you know, the next, the next posture, the next series. And so, you know, I, I think it's very difficult to take that away from it. It's there, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, part of it isn't it it's it's hierarchical in its structure it's just like that's just how it is you know so you can't you can't take that away from it so um yeah yeah so yeah I I it was very hard to step away yeah it is like everything yeah yeah I want to hear a little bit more about about those experiences of like how you weren't making good choices for yourself like even outside of your practice Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was just in, in terms of like my relationships, romantic relationships, terrible. Like I was in this, I was in this place where I was making good money as a yoga teacher. You know, this is 2009, 10, you know, 11, 12, like that kind of time. Mm-hmm. It was different. Right. I mean, yeah. So different. <laughs> um, you could make money like as a yoga teacher. <laughs> you can make money as a yoga teacher. You know, it's like, yeah, I was making really good money for not doing that much uh, in terms yeah. of like workload. Um, yeah. And so in terms of my professional life, everything was really good. My personal mm-hmm. life was boring. And um, uh, I'd chosen to go back home to my hometown to to teach because Brighton was not the best idea, even then, because there was yeah. so many teachers there. Saturated, so, yeah. Saturated, and there was nothing in Reading where or where I come from. It's just outside of London. There was at the time nothing. So I was mm-hmm. like, "This is a smart move," and it was definitely the smart move in terms of you know actually like you know 
doing quite well um, professionally. Mm. Um, what was going on, I think, is just I didn't have an understanding and a, I didn't have a I didn't have like a body soul connection. I didn't realize mm. that the things, the choices that I was making with my body actually did had any connection to to me as a as a being, you know. Mm. So um and the yoga practice didn't help didn't it did help because it was there as a support when it, when things blew up which they did quite a few times mm-hmm. um you know and i'm not blaming the practice and i would never you know I, I i wouldn't ever take it away like i i loved it it was it was a, an amazing period of time but um you know uh yeah my thoughts gone again what was i saying this happens all the time to me Honestly, Russell, don't ever go into menopause. It's terrible. Mm. I I couldn't honestly tell you if I if I was or wasn't in currently in menopause. Um, <laughs> there was I, so you were your relationships were blowing up, and were they blowing up because of your practice? You but you at the time you were. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna blame the practice for that. Um, I had some lovely relationships and friendships within the practice. Um, I did meet someone who was, you know, an Ashtangi at one point. That was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> but I was, I was just kind of broken, you know. Like mm-hmm. that was just that wasn't that wasn't the practice. That was just a period of, you know, a, a, an uninformed childhood in terms of having respect and sovereignty and you know um taking care of myself and having you know having good boundaries and like all of that kind of stuff just wasn't there really Mm. you know it was there was no one saying oh you know this is how you go into a relationship and this is you know uh, how you take care of yourself in you know in in the sexual relationship and it's like none of that and I you know I'm pretty sure the vast vast majority of us were in the same situation I don't think Mm -hmm. most of us had like mentors in that sense so Mm -hmm. you kind of like you don't know what you're doing and and that you know whoever you're relating to doesn't know what you're doing and you can't communicate because you you just don't you don't have those skills and so Mm -hmm. it's all a mess (laughs) Yeah. yeah I do think that um that like the Ashtanga method and system and the whole culture and the whole lineage and the whole sort of all the stuff that we're talking about that goes along with being that like intense um, practitioner where that's your sole focus and you're getting up at 4am or 3am or 2am to like do your, this big practice and you're regulating your sleep, your diet, or maybe like mm-hmm. skimping on sleep and <laughs> restricting your diet. Um, yeah all of all of those things this is a theory of mine but i feel are very appealing to yeah. a certain group of humans which is maybe quite a, a few of us who grow up in a situation where we are lacking structure oh and boundaries goodness. and we don't have those like really like you're saying, those mentors, those guides, those healthy relationships, we don't have maybe examples of that in our life. We don't have maybe open paths of communication with someone who can actually truly, um, you know, 
be present with us and, and help guide us along those ways. And so we grow up feeling a little bit out of control and a little bit like in chaos. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we're introduced to this beautiful practice that has so many benefits, like physically, emotionally, mentally. Yes, yes, yes. But it also has this really like dark shadow side that that can also kind of take over at some point. Mm -hmm. It's like it's almost like that structure and that discipline and that intensity um, really is attractive when you've sort of had a lot of like chaos going on. Right. And, and there's no questioning. You just do it, you know. Yeah. So you don't yeah. have to think. You have to think about how do I support myself in this? How do I, you know, is this okay for me? It's like, well, it is okay because this is what you're doing. You yes. know, even even the, the I th- I'm sure things have changed now, especially since COVID, but even hands-on adjustments, you know, they mm. were just, given to you they were done to you you know mm-hmm. there, there wasn't really a community there wasn't really a communication yeah. about that so or you know consent. Your, <laughs> or consent and so your autonomy is kind of withdrawn and I guess I remember I've said many many times I actually really like that like I like yeah. that it was a part of my life where I didn't have to think I just went and did it and I was mm-hmm. told what to do and that was great for me at the time yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah now, i totally was- understand it I, mean, I i completely resonate that with that completely is is, yeah. is with what harmony has said mirrors what what i experienced was total chaos as a child mm-hmm. and then yeah. i dreamed about structure and fantasized about structure and i thought i would go into the military because that seemed like a way to, to find that you know my dad advised against it coming out of the military himself <laughs> And then like, oh, here, this is perfect. This is everything, every part of my day, every hour of my day now has um, uh, an itemization of, of what to be doing yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I, I want to say that for the for you two who might, might be struggling, I've discovered something <laughs> that I think could really, really work <laughs> and be a benefit. Now, we said we're I've had to, I've had to, <laughs> I've had to, uh, t- offer quite a bit of collateral Um, (laughs) and I think now you for me to go any further I'm gonna have to ask collateral from the two of you as well he's watching the vow you know on HBO do you know about this Enixium cult in the states it's like cult dynamics it's very similar to what we experienced I feel like what 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 it needed was like kind of more of a charismatic figure kind of (laughs) organizing shit and these guys Maybe were not organized <laughs> they were not organized like that's the only separations that they didn't really they couldn't really come up with a business plan <laughs> you mean kpjayi yeah 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 but the whole but it happened organically without a charismatic figure organizing our lives we did it to ourselves <laughs> and then did oh, it yeah. to each other the peer pressure was is fucking intense yeah yeah pardon my yeah. language no no mm. i mean I, I completely agree and so you kind of get indoctrinated and then you go and you and that's and you know i think i hope i didn't hurt anyone i i possibly did you mm-hmm. know like honestly like i'm i'm yeah. sure I'm sure mm. i touched people that, that didn't want to be touched or 
you know, like, I'm sure I did. I'm sure mm. I did. Mm. And, um, and again, it's like, it's, it's, it's almost relaxing because you can just take that formula and make it your own for, this is my formula. And this is because, <laughs> you know, this is what I'm meant to do. Yeah. I've been told to do, there's a lineage. And so this is what I do. Yeah. And so, you know, you have that to fall back on. And so it's, it, you know, it makes life very simple. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Which I think yeah. given the chaos of life, actually yeah. it's relaxing, you know, I like totally. being told what to do, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I do like, I'm in certain situations. I really do because it's then it's like, okay, like my partner will be, he's quite like, he'll organize stuff. He'll plan stuff. Mm. Like he's in, he's in charge that way. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I love, I love that like masculine holding. It means that yeah. I can just chill out, you know, yeah. I can just relax about stuff. So I think there's that holding that we had, isn't it? It's just like Mm -hmm. kind of, it was family and there's, you know, father figure and all of that. It's all, it's Mm -hmm. all there, isn't it? And then there's the aspirational, you know, um, going through the series and you can't do this until you do this. And, you know, everyone wanted to be second and like, you know, all of that kind of stuff this construction of achievement that they that they create to give you a sense of of, of a, a desire and attachment to improve which is yeah. which is cool if you know if you want motivation it is very motivating you know getting another posture is very motivating oh yeah <laughs> and then coupled with all of us having absent fathers you know <laughs> study though like family dynamics within you know within mm-hmm. the ashtanga i'd be i'd be so curious now we're talking about it now yeah i think a statistical analysis I'm... would come up with like 90 90 percent yeah i think it's issues with dad yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah i'd actually never really thought about it like that that's yeah that's really yeah that's that's really cool to think about i mean Yes, and yeah, it's cool, but also. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you come, you come to a place where you're like noticing you don't have the energy to sustain this like intensity of practice. Mm. Maybe the heat is creating the inflammation, which is building up in your body, which is actually I mean, something interesting that I've heard from Ayurvedic practitioners that like this initial heat that's good for us when we're younger for like purifying and like transforming and giving like a lot of energy and vitality that after a certain age actually starts to create a lot of body pain and joint pain because it creates excess inflammation in the body and you actually should be shifting your practice whether it's asana or any kind of movement practice to something that's like more slightly gentle and Mm -hmm like cooler a cooler kind of practice versus like right. a very intense heating practice but, um but i have like a what do you call that a tire yeah like got you need to jog or something i've got a, I've got a muffin top so like what you am know, i gonna do with like cooling practices you go swimming or something swimming swimming yeah the gym or the cold water swims that oh, you love to do so cold water baths 
Yeah. yeah. She goes into the, like the lake in the in the winter. Yeah. But anyway, right. let's talk about like inflammation and like pain Ooh. and like is this what happens? You're just like, what what am I gonna do? What did you do? I just stopped. And then what? Like, so one morning you're like, okay, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to walk away. And then you just like didn't get up in the morning to practice and you didn't teach. I just thought, I'm just going to see what happens. And it, it was made easier for me because of what was going on with Patabi Joyce and the way that I felt the community reacted to that. And um, Mm -hmm. my, my immediate community, I mean, yeah, it was just like, I was just like, no one's like talking about this. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, why is, why is no one talking about this? Um, and so I just I just stopped feeling aligned. I was like, actually, I don't want to be part of this. I, it's like when you see, you like see it mm-hmm. and then it's like you can't unsee it. So mm-hmm. I just saw it and I couldn't unsee it. And it was re- very sad. And, you know, I lost yeah I lost friends and I not in a kind of like I'm not talking to you again kind of way it's just that then what you have in common you don't have in common anymore like you don't Mm, everything just starts to kind of drift and Mm. but I carried on teaching for a couple of years I I was still practicing a bit you know just Mm -hmm. I just sort of dropped it dropped it in the most part and then the last Ashtanga class I ever taught was um, was literally uh, in lo- lockdown in 2020. So I actually taught mm-hmm. for another couple of years because yeah. you can't just stop doing your job. Right. Even yeah. Otherwise you have no income. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, when you talking about kind of like cult dynamics and being controlled and stuff when you get authorized you're made to sign something that says i will start a mysore program right you know sure. mm-hmm. like, you know i don't know if if you i mean i know russell you have i don't i don't know if you have you did you do that yeah so sign i never the contract I never, no no like actually done the mysore program thing oh yeah you know, like, used to teach in okay. taiwan and stanford yeah, it's right. I taught um, San Francisco twenty years. Twenty, yeah. right? So, wait, wait, well, I mean, that can't be right. I mean, two thousand. Well, yeah, two thousand three. Yeah, you're that old. I'm that old. Yeah, <laughs> I started. He he taught earlier today. Actually, I taught this morning. Actually, yeah, I taught in my room this morning. Hopefully, and I know my student Phil is listening. Hopefully, that was my last class I'll ever teach. No, you're going back next week. I'm hoping He's not. He's subbing. He's subbing. Russell, do you go in your linens? Do you kind of like Fuck go yeah, in? I do. He I does. Do the fucking he dresses wrap up for sure. And the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and I'm very color coordinated. And I uh, make sure the wrap matches the drapes. And. <laughs> we've got some sage going and some yeah i burn sage of course i burn sage i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a noob (laughs) it's on my first rodeo god damn sophie i mean that i'm waltzing in there i established my authority right away I hate to do. I hate to do. I demand absolute you know, silence. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks back to you. No. 
if they the the last time the the last time they study with me is the last time they talk back to me (laughs) then they are oh fuck that was the most fucked up thing but also kind of hilarious about teaching and in Brighton, Brighton, 18 years ago, 18 years ago, <laughs> is that um, the British are, um, they were formerly an empire and they're um, quite full of their, their own opinion, as it turns out, and um, eager, <laughs> eager to let you know what they think. And yeah. every time um, an, an order of the British empire spoke to me, I, I out the fucking door. <laughs> I kicked out so many people out of the Brighton Natural Health Center at least once a week. I kicked, I kicked someone out. It's like, no, I'm not having this this talk back. No, chat. Yeah. no, yeah. no chat. I'm not having a chat. You can you can go chat to the to the to your to your your therapist. Your therapist. <laughs> and um, then I left. I left. I went to to Taiwan. And not a single person spoke to me <laughs> for three years. Taiwanese. They spoke Taiwanese, one. And none of them dared speak back to me. Yeah, three years, not a single person spoke to me. It was, it was paradise. <laughs> but my point about 10 minutes ago was... Oh, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I was not going to participate this morning. <laughs> No, it was, uh, was that is quite, you know, it's such a rigid life, isn't it? You know, mm. getting up at what, four or three or I don't oh, know. Four. Yeah. Four. I used to dream of waking up at four. Yeah. <laughs> two. Two, 2.30, like if, if you're serious at all. Well, it depends what time you have to start teaching too, right? Because if you don't practice first, you're not a proper teacher. No, yeah. you're not. Then, no. So, mm. you know, if you do that, then you're going to be getting up, yeah, like two yeah. in the morning. I mean, you know, that is going to definitely, and that that does play into, like, the cult dynamics of, like, you know, you're sort of taken out of your, like, you know, social, yeah, um, yeah, yeah structure. Yeah, you can go to bed at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Yeah. There's Yeah. Who can you hang out with? Like, you can't hang out with anyone. No, yeah. there's no, no one. No one is no one is like going to bed at like eight no, and night. then it gets to Friday and it's your only day where you don't have to get up the next morning to practice and you're so exhausted from the last six days of waking up at two in the morning that like you barely can stay awake past four p.m. because you actually need to get like eight hours of sleep. That's real. <laughs> yeah. So how do Harmony? I'm so curious. Like, how do you structure structure things now? Because you're still practicing, aren't you? <laughs> Structure. <laughs> I am practicing very loosely as well. Structure. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't wake up early and practice. That's not a really possibility for me. I mean, I get up. I like to do my meditation and my pranayama practice. Um, if I can start my day that way, it's like so good. But um, it's funny. It's funny. I I started a new because I'm in Ibiza at the moment, so I was like, I need to get into a routine. I need a yeah. morning like morning routine. So um, I did. So uh, two days ago, I started doing breath work, a bit of journaling, walk down to the beach, which is like a 20 minute walk. It's downhill and then it's uphill, and I swam. Yeah. Okay, nice. That was, was like I am oh. winning day, and yeah. I and I was to my partner I was like yeah my routine my morning routine that I've done for one day <laughs> <laughs> my morning routine. 
<laughs> it's so good though, oh. right? It feels so good. You're like, okay, yeah. I guess. I'm up early. Yeah. I'm like focusing. I have this time for myself. God. And I really it's- thank I really thank the Ashtanga practice for that because I think yeah. without that, I would never have got into the you do something first every day. You know, for me, yeah. I'm the, I'm just like the day is so much better if I do something first yeah. for me that is like movement, whatever whatever I need to do, yeah. do it first because then yeah. it, then you're set. You know, yeah. and I I don't I think Ashtanga actually was a huge part in creating that kind of rhythm. A, a huge mentor for me was was my grandmother and. And I, I like to, to tell people how she taught me how to do handstands. And she was really quite good at doing them and teaching them. And so she, what I learned from her is, is that you should get up at like 5, 5, 5.30. And mm-hmm. soon as you should have a beer and a cigarette. <laughs> and that's your... That is not a healthy morning routine. She lived a long time doing that, to be honest, though. Like yeah. almost 70, 76. That's not that long, actually, no. <laughs> That's pretty young. Yeah, that's pretty young. Well, she had a beer and a cigarette for like 60 odd years. <laughs> pretty <Fair> good. <laughs> yeah, but I do yeah. think there's something to kind of like practicing later in the day um, mm-hmm. at a certain age and stage, you know, when your body's a little like less inflamed. I mean, I have dreams of practicing in the morning <laughs> again. I'm still like hanging on to that uh, that dream that I'll feel motivated to get up and do a practice early in the morning. Never again. But it's so. I mean, it just. I I can't get up at four a.m. Oh my god! It's not happening, right? So well, not if you're going to be you know watching Star Wars till eleven p.m. <laughs> yeah, but I have a son. <laughs> like I want to spend time with him, and he has activities at night. So then we we have family time. Like when he gets home from his activities and that goes to like nine or 10. That, and that's yeah. nice. And it's nice. Mm. And I'm not willing to give that up. Isn't it? You know, yeah. That is, yeah. It's like at some point you need to just like get on with life. And I think yeah. like you can get so, you know, and I'm, I'm in different, I'm in different kind of kind of spiritual seeking kind of worlds. I like to stay mm. on the periphery a little bit, but it's, it's in, it seems to be in every kind of like, path it's like people just get lost in it mm-hmm. and it's mm. like what about what about actually doing life like the day-to-day stuff yeah. it's not, yeah you know it's not woo and it's not you know it's not just navel gazing it's just like actual just normal life stuff how about we just get on with that and keep keep at least one foot in the real world you know yeah <laughs> please yeah. Totally. Well, well. Speaking of real life stuff, I wonder if you could if you could talk to us about female sexuality as you <laughs> as we age, and what that looks like. That's Sophie's specialty. What's that? What does that? What literally? What does it look like? Because I'd be interested to know what that. Oh wow! Like with Wouldn't you like pictures, to know? diagrams, <laughs> all sorts of things? I could. I could also. I, I could leave. This sort of that makes it easier for you, the two of you to talk about. How is your sexuality changing as you age, Harmony? It's getting better. Is it? <laughs> Shit, that's good. What, what, why is that, Harmony? Why do you think that is? Well, I think actually, it kind of relates to everything that we're talking about, 
where like in my 20s, I mean, I started practicing yoga very young. I started when I was 20 years old um, and got into Ashtanga like so intensely, like at a really young age. Um, and so then probably like 21, 22, I was like in it, like waking up early, going to Mysore program. At that point, it was sort of like more of a grassroots community here. Then I'd go to university. I was finishing my degrees, you know, so my interest in maybe like sexuality was like (laughs) very low on the list. Not that it had been low on the list prior to the Ashtanga Yogas. (laughs) It was much higher. (laughs) But, but yeah, that like. Taking his head. I know. (laughs) Um, Prior to that, I think it was um, like upon sort of taking up this path, you know, I mean, some of it has to do with just like not getting sleep. If you're not well rested, you don't feel sexy. You don't feel like expending energy having sex. Are you kidding? Like, no. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you're getting up early in the morning, it's like you have this this discipline to your life. There's no real like relaxation except maybe on a Saturday, right? Which yeah. is your day off. I mean, in the in the traditional formula that we all used to follow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be real Ashtanga yoga practitioners. I mean, now it's a little different, but. (laughs) Yeah, we were told that we were told to have sex once every like 14 days when our left nostril is open. (laughs) That was out. That was that's a cult. (laughs) (laughs) So then, but then that's real. That's a real thing that I'm I'm not making that up. (laughs) I know. I know. I know it's real. (laughs) But then I also then I got married when I was fairly young as well. I was 26. And we were at that point doing, I took out my IUD because it was like interfering with the spiritual movement of energy and, <laughs> and my yoga practice. Yeah. And so suppose it was. then we were doing the natural kind of like, you know, tracking method for birth control, which means that, you know, there's kind of a short window when you're actually really safe to, <laughs> to yeah. have sex. So not only was my like sex life being regulated by the practice, waking up early, going to bed early, um, it was also being regulated by like actual, you know, the times that I was actually able to have sex safely without getting pregnant. <laughs> and that yeah. worked for a good 10 years. That worked for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe not 10 years. But maybe like, it was six years that we did that. But you're literally saying that was working for me. Well, it worked for me in not getting pregnant. <laughs> and and you were having a, probably exactly the amount of sex that you wanted to have. Yeah. I mean, at that at that time in my life, it just wasn't a priority. I was so like myopically focused on like enlightenment yeah. and spiritual awakening and awakening kundalini and like doing this practice, not just this practice, but like the pranayama. I mean, at one point I was meditating for an hour a day, Vipassana. And if, I, if it was a good day, I'd do that two hours a day, <laughs> uh, pranayama for an hour a day, and then a two hour or two and a half hour asana practice. That's five hours almost of spiritual practices five a day. Hours. I used to dream about five hours. Right? Eight, and nine so hours. Then, of oh, stop it. <laughs> Little chatterbox over here. <laughs> so, and then, and then you're teaching, right? And so then you're doing all the teaching. And I mean, it just wasn't like a lifestyle conducive to pleasuring yourself 
<laughs> in any kind of way. I also think um, there's something about the rigidity, the, the linearness, the linearness of the practice, mm-hmm. and the and the you know the um, Mulabanda like lifting like yeah. that area is kind yeah. of squeezing all of the totally. time. Yeah. While I think it's great to be able to like you know you want like a healthy pelvic floor yeah like just tight and held all of the time like I just don't believe that energetically sexual energy can flow like no and it's not meant to that's the whole thing I think right is like it's kind of a practice that's supposed to retract your sexual energy because it's like about maintaining and controlling the sexual energy rather than like enjoying it do you think that because I definitely and like this is going down another road and perhaps we shouldn't but Mm -hmm. but just say I mean there was a shadow to that certainly in my saw that Mm. I started that it was like we're, we're doing our practice but actually there was all sorts of like you know like people you know just like practitioners just kind of like doing like shady stuff that just wasn't healthy I would say yeah you know like shady shagging no there was Mm. yeah there was these underground Mm. kind of like subcultures of like S&M and different you weren't a part of it because you were also married at the time and I wasn't a part of it because I was also married but I thought people were kind of like hooking up quite a lot yeah but there Mm. was like like groups of people doing very interesting sexual deviant oh, is, kind of stuff that is interesting slightly deviant i, I don't know this is all hearsay because i, I wasn't ever invited <laughs> sexual deviancy. yeah Sophie knows because she was single there in my is there store. a bit of sexual deviancy going on i did i didn't actually witness that i'm really sad to say but what i did <laughs> i'm really sad about that but what i did experience was kind of like a who's single who's here who's single uh, and obviously yeah and obviously there is a lot less men than there are women. So, right? Yes. If you were like, if you were just like average looking and rode in Enfield, you were basically guaranteed, you know, a Any, long line. A line of women. Yeah. A line of women. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, there's that kind of side of things that I definitely, definitely witnessed. But anyway, I, I digress. But, um, yeah, I think it it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to being connected to your sexuality, and so yeah, that side of things didn't really start shifting until I started, you know, a, a bit before. But like, I I started learning about my menstrual cycle, and I was like, what? Like, this is a you know, like an empowering thing, not just a ladies' holiday that you know you stay at home for two days or whatever um Mm -hmm. and yeah so then there was just like this whole kind of period of like wow like my body is amazing and actually I've been incredibly disconnected from it for my whole Mm -hmm. life Mm. and um, and that that happened much late you know late 30s really Mm. so um one of my turning points I mean you asked me in that in that um questionnaire like what Mm -hmm. broke me I mean I was, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself in like sexual relationships. I I had an abortion on my 36th birthday. Mm-hmm. And that moment, I think yeah. I, I started to crumble. And then mm-hmm. I started to 
rebuild, you know? Jesus. And that was, yeah, that was also the time when I was like super into my practice, you mm. know, like, yeah. and that's what I mean. There was such a disparity of like, Mm-hmm. you know I was I was practicing a lot but actually I wasn't taking care of myself I wasn't looking after myself at all mm. at, it was probably the the worst point of my life in terms of how I was take how I was like looking after me you know mm. yeah so it's kind of interesting, isn't it the outside yeah. is like if I look at pictures of me it's like oh you're like so slim and strong and like all of this kind of stuff but mm-hmm. actually it was bad underneath for sure yeah it's fascinating because there is something about self-love right that that this harshness of the discipline I mean and of course you know not every Ashtanga yoga practitioner goes to this level of intensity or harshness right (laughs) so um, I'm only just speaking in general about I mean and it can happen with anything you know watching this movie The Vow there's like these women that like you know take on these very um rigid austerities. austerities or you know aesthetic kind of disciplines um you know you can do it with anything right you can do it yeah. with vipassana even you can do it with like any any kind of i guess maybe ballet yeah ballet like anything that's that's very sure? disciplined when you take that discipline to its edge to your edge there's something in that that is actually, like you were saying, like more about self-flagellation, more about self-punishment, and not really about self-love, even if it's self-care, right? Like, and it's so fascinating because it's almost like that sattvic thing, too much of it turns tamastic, right? Like too yeah. much of that good thing, if you take it to that that intensity, to that discipline, actually becomes destructive and becomes more about how you don't love yourself rather than how you are loving yourself. And that, again, kind of is about the listening, right? Like if you're not listening to yourself, how can you love yourself? And if you're taught not to listen yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, totally. or you're not taught. It's like, he, he's, you know, so it's like actually you're not taught to listen and then you're taught not to listen because actually yeah. you don't listen. Because what you do is what I tell you to. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like you know it's yeah it, it just it intensifies that not listening and that mm-hmm. not connecting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I really miss the practice, though. You know, <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Everyone we talk to who doesn't practice, everyone's like that. I really miss it. I love it. <laughs> you know? Well, I, 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 I have very, I agree. very fond feelings for that 2003, 2004, 5, 6, 7, and being with Patabi Joyce and being with like Harmony and, and our whole circle of friends. It was, it was such yeah. a good time. It's like like yeah. going off to the Hamptons every summer. Yeah, and it was such a thrill, um, and at you know at the same time, like it, the the dark the dark shadow side for me was in how much physical pain I was in, mm-hmm. and how terrified I was, and and how desperate I was for attention, and mm-hmm. all of that was like the shadow side of this really sweet time with friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah, yeah, I can relate. I can relate to that. The physical love, pain. 
Yeah. And- yeah. But there is like an energy. There's like a, a vitality and energy that I think is very addictive that you experience mm-hmm. when you're in that that kind of structure of the practice that you just don't get when you're, you know, practicing like, you know, sporadically. It's yeah. like like there's a intense, beautiful, vibrant energy that that comes up. And I think that's kind of what you miss when you don't have that like yeah, I don't know, that regularity of of that practice. And I don't know, yeah. it just seems to happen with Ashtanga in particular, because yeah. even if you're doing vinyasa style or like other movement styles, it's like it doesn't have that same, I don't know, vibrant kind of powerful energy that gives you this, I don't know, it's I, it's hard to describe, but I think you understand what I'm but saying. You could see it, you could see it in people, like if you, if you looked at like yeah. Melanie Fowler or, or Noah and you and they walked in the room and you could see it in their piercing stare. Yeah. It's like, holy it's a real shit, thing. It's they've a real got thing. that prana yeah. right in them. Yeah, it's 100% a real thing. They're it's like, um, they're like yeah. commandos or green berets. Like they have that kind of aura <laughs> around them of like i could kill you <laughs> i'm like oh, i can see that <laughs> yeah so yeah 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 so yeah so with sorry we've gone on a little yeah, tangent that's fine you want um, to tell us about your sexuality you yeah know. and helping helping women <laughs> helping other women to yeah, yeah through this period of perimenopause and menopause and what that means think, it's a big transition this is how it, this is how it went yoga menstruality sexuality like mm. it, and like for me because the because I'd had such a toxic relationship to sexuality it was the most mm. important piece for me yeah um and I'm glad it was I, I'm glad I didn't find tantra conscious sexuality when I was in my 20s because I would have made a mess of it I'm sure you know mm. and Anything. It's a, it's like driving a fucking Ferrari if you can't. It's like the same with Ashtanga, right? right. If you don't know how to drive and you drive a Ferrari, you're probably going to crash. So yeah, you know, yeah. I probably would have crashed if I'd you know come across conscious sexuality in my twenties. I think anything I would have done probably it would have ended up the same, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so so <laughs> I think it takes that like level of like maturity. Obviously, I'm very mature now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell we all are, but like, yeah. yeah, I just had to stop doing what I was doing because I was just hurting myself. It was self abuse, like it really was, um, and that needed to stop. I needed to do something different, and um, so, so that's so that's what I did. So I just started exploring, and you know. I think things have to get really shit, don't they? They have to mm. get like so shit that you actually do something about it, that you can mm-hmm. alchemize it into something else. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's 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 what I had to do because I, I was just it was just so destructive. So <laughs> so yeah, so I just started exploring for myself. I've done you know I've done quite a lot of work, I guess, in terms of um just repatterning my 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 um I don't know not repatterning but re-imprinting I mm-hmm. guess like having positive experiences and yeah. relearning like what it is for to feel pleasure and mm-hmm. how to say no like mm-hmm. that was a huge one how yeah. to how to 
feel when my body was a yes and a no. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think going back to the yoga practice, like how many times had I been adjusted when it was a no? Like mm. many, many, mm-hmm. so many, yeah. so many times, yeah. you know? And it's like there was no talk of consent or boundaries or any of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, so again, it's like, well, I didn't know about any of that stuff and then I practiced something that actually pushed it down even further that suppressed it even more right so it's no surprise is it that you get yourself into like I got myself into like Mm -hmm. sticky situations yeah Um, yeah Yeah. so so that's what it's been it's just been a kind of you know an exploration of like okay what is it what does it feel what feels good for me and um and then perimenopause and all of this crazy hormonal stuff starts happening. And then it's like, well, you know, you're getting on a bit. So it's not really appropriate for middle-aged women to be sexy and stuff like, you know, this right. kind of like, right? <laughs> so, so, and then I was like, fuck that. That is not going to be the way that I'm going. I'm going to go the other way. Thank you very much. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, been what's been going on really. Um, it's yeah. interesting. I, just to embarrass my, my mother yet again, um, <laughs> the last time I was home, I think, um, this, this last year, my, my brother and I were asked to move my mother's dresser and, um, you know, my, David and I know our, my mom really well, and there's no secrets or surprises for us. But so, as we were kind of moving the dresser, it kind of tilted one way and her kind of the bottom drawer fell open and her, you know, her collection of sex toys all spilled out. And it was just like, oh, <clears throat> we just all kind of politely shoved them back in, you know, granny's sex toys, put them back in. You know? yeah. and, um, and I was just I like, yeah, we just like swallowed and like moved on. Like, you know, mommy still has a healthy sex life at 75. That's you know? I love that. I love that. You know, that's that's amazing. I mean, one of my mentors who I love, love, love so much, she's 70, 73. Mm-hmm. She's called Laurie Handlers. And she goes around the world teaching conscious sexuality, tantric practices. And she literally is, you know, traveling constantly. And mm-hmm. she's just like so fucking juicy and amazing. And I'm just like, oh, that's where I'm going that's where mm. I'm going yeah you know our, my I I say all the time our bodies are made for pleasure like mm-hmm. we're we're built to especially women's bodies by the way mm. so you know <laughs> you know we we have organs that are only there for pleasure that's their only purpose and so you know, again, it's one of those things that we just haven't been mentored. We haven't been, you know, shown the ways and it. So it's like, yeah. you know, I think now is the time. There's a lot of women. And I think also there's something about hitting perimenopause, menopause, middle age, where you just go, well, there's there's a couple of things. One is that things start changing physically. Your mm-hmm. tissues start changing. You just can't have sex the way that you were having sex before it, because mm. it just hurts. Like it's like yeah. it's not it's not it's not 
it's just not how you want it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And also, um, yeah, it's like something happens. It's like, I don't need to do it like that anymore. And actually I'd rather have, you know, a lot of women are like, I don't, I can't, I don't, I'm never going to have sex again. You know, they hit middle age, or, you know, and I, and I know that there's a hormonal shift that is part of that. But also I think there is the, I'm just not having any shit sex again. So I'm just not going to bother, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know? So, um, yeah. And I honestly feel like the sexuality is, it's a, it's a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you can, you can reach altered states with it. You can, you know, you can go to all sorts of beautiful places. You're connecting with yourself, your body, um, you know, you're learning about yourself. I mean, it's the same as meditation and yoga and like, you know, isn't it? It's just, it's just that it has a lot of connotations that society doesn't like to talk about. So yeah. yeah. What's interesting is, um, my pranayama teacher, Sri Pitori, he always, when he describes the uh, state of enlightenment, like the Kundalini awakening, he always says, it is more pleasurable. It is a hundred times more pleasurable than an orgasm. <laughs> and I always yeah. found that so fascinating that like this, this, you know, old Indian man who obviously has children so <laughs> and is married. Um, but, you know, you would never associate like... <laughs> sexual pleasure with you know this figure in front of you but that's like it's it's such a compelling um analogy it's such a you know and it is like a spiritual thing like and it is something that the body craves and yeah the kundalini energy is that creative source energy that's in us and especially as women we have that energy to create life right we have this in abundance and so yeah. it's the same energy, actually. It's just yeah. instead of going out, you're pulling it up and in, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not, um, like you say, if you're not allowing yourself that pleasure or that joy or like you're kind of like blocking that, it's almost mm-hmm. like you can't actually have enlightenment you know you can't have this kundalini awakening because it's the same energy and so if you're saying no to that then you're saying no to to all of it right yeah 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 and I would say actually breath work has been like transformational in like helping me move sexual energy around Mm -hmm. my body you know pranayama yeah and I didn't even really expect I really didn't expect it actually but you know practices like breath of fire or you know different you know pranayama practices simple ones really simple ones Mm -hmm. I'm like whoa this is like this is moving stuff this is shifting stuff so you know I mean that's I can't I feel like that speaks for itself yeah totally because prana is prana right and that energy is it's the same right it's the same energy and just it's showing up in different forms or in different organs yeah you know one yeah. thing that really surprised me about my own sexuality was was in vipassana when um you know you're really deeply listening and i just remember lying in my cot and i had you know you've got that you know bit of time to have a nap and i was lying in my cot and having like this kind of um hearing this vibration that's like constantly there 
and I'm listening and I was just kind of overwhelmed with how orgasmic it was, the sensation of deeply listening to your own vibration. And I'm like, Beautiful. oh, that's there all the time. If I just take a, you know, take a minute to not to get off my fucking phone and like listen to it. Right. You know? Right. You know? I know. Bonkers, like <laughs> how we spend the majority of our time when it's like we actually we're like moments away from like orgasmic states of bliss. It's like yeah. I, it's, I mean, it's like oh, it's a bit too much effort. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> orgasms are a bit shit you know like you know it's like, yeah yeah, right? yeah I, don't, I don't know because Steph, i'm the same it's like the majority of my time i'm like sitting at a computer or mm-hmm. you know right. yeah, yeah. You know, I, th- uh, I think about that like i think about the kind of um i'm thinking well i was just thinking right now about hustle culture and the yeah. state of you know, modern life where if you have to work that hard to just simply survive and feed yourself and pay your rent, then how are you going to, going to, you know, have a a moment to enjoy anything that you actually taste or touch or hear or smell? Mm -hmm. And that includes sex, but it could also just be enjoying your cereal in an orgasmic way, which I've also, you also, when you do these meditation ashrams, Mm -hmm. cereal becomes orgasmic. It's just like, oh, that tastes amazing. You actually <laughs> listen to it. Yeah. 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 It's awareness, isn't it? It's just putting mm-hmm. your awareness on simple things and everything's included. And yeah, it's not only those like orgasmic states of bliss. It is just like yeah. smelling the air, and just like feet, you know. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. So I would, I would ask a tough question. Um, would would it be easier if you were a handmaid <laughs> and you didn't have to? And and if you're like, if your man was really like in charge of taking care of everything, and you weren't allowed to read or write or have a job, would would that be easier? I, I'm sure it would be in some ways. <laughs> Because there's a fucking there's a dynamic there, right? Like I'm thinking about the women in in Iran, ripping off their hijabs. Like that's a society where men, you know, went to war against women. They had a rebellion against women, women's sexuality, women's empowerment. So we're going to do everything for you, because we think it's going to mm-hmm. be easier for you. Like I feel like there's this, and the same thing is happening right now in the United States. <laughs> there's a there's a tension between, you know women empowerment being actually like it can be really fucking tough being an empowered woman yeah and at the same time your alternative is being a sex slave but i don't think i mean it's interesting i mean we've talked about this a lot and you brought it up even too earlier sophie this you know there is something as as a woman as a female there is something um relaxing when you don't have to plan all the time and you don't have to be in control of things all the time and you can just like allow somebody else to take charge, right? There is something that's that's relaxing and enjoyable about that dynamic, that sort of traditional masculine feminine kind of dynamic. I'm all about it. I'm not, you know, I'm all about it. I, I really am. And I and I know that's a very, you know, maybe seen as an unprogressive whatever, but 
you know, I really feel there is a masculine and a feminine energy, you know, polarity, mm-hmm. biology, that it's like, it's how we're wired, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. talk to your, talk to, talk to your girlfriends that they, they want a man that's going to like, get shit done, like be a strong presence, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we want that. We, you know, we also quite like it when men earn a lot of money. I mean, let's just be honest about it, you know. Mm-hmm. A man becomes, like, way hotter when we think that they've got shit loads of money. I mean, look, I'm super generalizing. I'm going to speak for myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that in me because, you know, it's like that's the – that those are the roles. It's like, you know, yeah. it makes me feel safe because yeah. it wasn't always safe, right? It wasn't us. always safe, exactly. Exactly. So there's a lot in it. And I think personally, I feel if we, this kind of like soft man, hard woman thing, I don't think it works personally. Or the stronger thing. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. That's interesting, actually. Mm. We do talk about that, like how the Ashtanga yoga practice, like in a physical sense, makes women hard and masculine because they have Mm -hmm. to like work so hard. Their bodies also change and become like more less feminine almost right whereas men become very soft and flexible Mm. right and so i think shelly washington was the first person who said that to me she said this practice turns women into men and men into women what's going on it's it's non-binary that's what they call it yeah we were very progressive in that way in my very we didn't know it we didn't know it at the time Mm. you know so i mean russell would you say the opposite so you know like I feel like my understanding is that most men like feminine women you know who are soft and you know I mean curvy find me me the pornography site for skinny women (laughs) find it and and ask ask yourself if there's a paywall to see skinny thin women in pornography and it is one out of 10,000 sites. It, you, it's a, it is a rare specialty site that is looking for skinny women. You won't <laughs> fucking find it. Okay. Mm. Wow. He's agreeing with you. Mm. <laughs> I, I guess I'm just saying that it's, mm. it's something that I feel is like undeniable. And, and I don't yeah. feel... Personally, I don't think it's helpful to to avoid it. And, um, you know, I needed to learn about who I was as a, as a sexual being, a, a, as a woman, you know, mm. like my, my um, experiences, my, my pain, it all stemmed from, you know, my, my experiences as a woman. Mm-hmm. And so... That's where I need to go to heal it. I can't pretend yeah. that I'm not that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like you have to go back there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I very much identify with being a, a woman and I, you know, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, with all its complexities, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it is complex. Like, to your point, Russell, it's not – it's not just that you want men to be men and like this, this traditional kind of dynamic of masculine feminine energy is like, you know, should be um, 
forced either, right? Like that's, that's again, there's this fine line between, yeah, yeah, there needs to be some play. That's what makes it interesting and fun is the play. If it's just like exactly. men are in control and women have no power, that also isn't interesting for either person, I don't think. It's kind of toxic. Kind of toxic. That, but that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it's it's uh, it is the it's the movement of it and yeah. being able to flow between and um, and yeah, it can be very very hot that dynamic. Yeah. And so sometimes the opposite dynamic can be very very hot. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I might be misquoting. I th I thought it was it was Gloria Steinem, but it might be someone else um, who said that often what you find is is what women are protesting in the streets is what they desire in the bedroom. And <laughs> that's okay. And that's okay. You know, that's because <laughs> that's that's just what makes you feel sexy. And that's, you know, but that doesn't mean that you want to wear a hijab, a hijab. <laughs> or, or a Yeah. Yeah. And I and I feel um one of the most important things like is a is feeling safe right mm. so mm -hmm. when when we feel, when women feel safe that's when we can like you know surrender a little bit let go and mm. feel our pleasure you can't feel pleasure if you don't feel safe if you feel shut down right so it's like how do you feel safe like wh when do you feel safe who do you feel you know and it's like or safe enough you know like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so my partner I feel incredibly safe with I can I can let go I can you know but mm -hmm. but in my old life I definitely was very shut down and I put myself in you know all sorts of situations where where I couldn't have felt my own sexual energy because I was actually probably in a in a you know kind of fight flight Mode. right yeah for yeah sure. yeah you know wow. so, um so it's like learning to trust yourself again you mm -hmm. know learning to yeah like I can take care of myself in all these different kinds of situations I know when to take myself out I know I trust my no I trust my yes mm. and then my partner can trust my no my, they can trust my yes if they can trust my no right you know like yeah. um yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's a big thing. It's a yeah. There's lots to say. I love that. This 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 reminds me of a. Uh, I I was having a I was in having dinner in Sussex somewhere with a group of people who are all yogis. We're all being kind of um very open about our sexuality for some reason. Um, these English people were doing that, and um, one one woman <laughs> said, "Well, I have a you know I have a child at home now, and I feel quite inhibited." sexually i can't be vocal and she and i really yeah. am quite vocal and said honestly it's ruining my life and i was like oh jesus mm. that's really quite frank and i and i yeah. and i immediately thought how my mother would would uh, would never have inhibited herself vocally and i can attest to that <laughs> and uh that's like the like the like you know how people have the soundtrack of their life, the soundtrack of their youth. <laughs> That's part of yourself. My mother's sex sexual vocalizations are that. You know, that's 
that's how I remember my childhood. But that um, must be an issue that you work with a lot, Sophie, is <laughs> women. Like, I mean, there's a lot going on in middle age. I mean, not only the hormone changes, but like maybe you have children, maybe, you know, maybe you're working a full-time job. Maybe, you know, maybe you've been with your husband for like 15 years or something. And it's like, just not yeah. really the same kind of this... energy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the time... It's like I don't even know who I am as a, as a mm. sexual being. I don't even know who that woman is. Like I either haven't experienced that for a while or I've never known, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, I think like the, you know, the, the kind of highlight of, of, of midlife comes along and it's like you have to deal with it mm-hmm. or yeah. not, you know. Like you can completely yeah. ignore as well and have a perfectly fine life it's just that personally I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts that we have as human beings and so why the fuck wouldn't you <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. you like incredible and like touch and sensation and you know connection yeah. and oxytocin and like why wouldn't you yeah yeah but that's what we're talking yeah. about right this the sense of being inhibited and I think these inhibitions are are really um grafted on to women from quite mm-hmm. an early age. Yeah. Almost immediately. Yeah. You you and see the way parents about... treat girls differently from boys almost always. Yeah, because as soon as we start developing, then you know, it's like, oh, you know, you need to cover up and and talking about sexual expression, so voice, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of shamed for using our voice and actually one of the quickest ways to start moving sexual energy around your body is to use your voice. Mm. Like literally in moments you can start moving sexual energy around mm-hmm. your body just, you know, ah, you know, and it's like, yeah. but it's, <laughs> you know, it's not really, yeah. it's not really okay. And, and obviously there's a time and a place and I'm not like walking around just like, like orgasms all over the place. Definitely not. And, you know, so there's an appropriateness that, you know. Yeah. But but it's like we don't know because it's it's just we've never been taught and it's all kind of a little bit shut down and yeah. not okay. Yeah. Well I think but, it's such important work. What? But I but I think you, you really can walk around feeling <laughs> orgasmic. Orgasmic. Right? And I, I sure. think is as, as long as you're not on your phone and you're really listening. <laughs> And you're walking, you feel your pelvic floor, you feel your breath, you're seeing the vibration of the infinite cosmos in front of you, whether it's just autumnal leaves, and you can feel that little orgasmic vibration Mm, in you. mm. It's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like pure pleasure. It is pure pleasure. And, you know, somewhat mitigated by being in public, but it's like it's it's happening if you're listening. Mm. Yeah, I love getting in the sea. I went on skinny dip last night and there's like, it's beautiful. It's like the sea is warm and it's completely flat and there's no one around. And it's like moments like that, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. like I am a, just a human doing human things and just like immersing myself in the beauty and the joy and the wonder of life. And I think 
we have to do as much of that as possible yeah. because life is fucking hard in a lot of ways. And so, yeah. but just remember that we're so, you know, we have all this beauty. There is all this beauty to be mm-hmm. experienced. And so I think actually a practice that I try and do every day is connect to that beauty and that wonder and that joy in whatever way I can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's so simple, isn't it? So simple. Yeah, and mm. you just you reminded me of, of a beautiful point, you know, that that our bodies, you know, in in the yoga sutras, you know, Patanjali talks about how prakriti or, or the material world, our bodies, right, um, and everything else around us is here to be used like it's a tool for our liberation, but it's also for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. Mm. And that's mm. the same body that that you know we use to like, you know. Um, process things or you know write emails or drive cars or like do all these kind of mechanical type yeah. um, you know exercises um, is also meant to be for our pleasure for our enjoyment for the sensation because it really is like it's our only contact with the external world where it's <laughs> like we can mm. really feel that sensation those senses are so um helpful for like inter interfacing with that pleasure interfacing with you know the beauty or that you know whatever that sensation of touch or the smell or right and all those things are there to to enliven us to enjoy to bring pleasure to us and that's actually like why we're human like it's a part of being human we should like you're saying take advantage (laughs) while we can yeah and my 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 partner's like you know if god didn't want us to have sex why did he create a world where literally everything is having sex all of the time like (laughs) (laughs) happening you know yeah i'm aware i'm doing into darkness yeah oh it's getting quite late in a well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your pleasure. story and what you're doing now. And tell us how people can find you if they're looking for you. Yeah. So I get if someone uh, wanted in- to have sex with you. <laughs> how could they find you? I'm very expensive. <laughs> oh, God. If there's a price we can negotiate, then that's the first step. <laughs> at sophie.clear on instagram yeah. uh and uh what is my website sophieclear.com <laughs> i think so I, that sounds right to me <laughs> and that's where people can find like your coaching offerings and all of the different mm-hmm. things you're up to yeah retreats yeah. workshops i know you're traveling all the time right now so lots yeah, of opportunities I- to connect with you yeah yeah at the moment the coaching is kind of the main thing um I I haven't got another retreat booked in for a while but I hope I hope to do one next year um yeah yeah Harmony's been telling me about you for years and she's been like shows me your Instagram look what Sophie's doing now now. I was like wow that's quite sexy that's okay goodness I enjoy it so much though it's such a pleasure to meet you and to to meet someone else in our little community and and see that you know we have this shared experience and like this is kind of a lot of us are going through a lot of the same things and it's really it's really awesome Mm -hmm. to be able to 
to share and uh, yeah. and speak really openly. I, I feel like so many, you know, when I first started practicing, there was, you know, a few really famous senior teachers who are still fairly famous. <laughs> and, but there was like a lot of other senior yoga practitioners who practiced yoga for a long time that weren't famous or maybe weren't practicing anymore. And we don't know about them. Nobody talks to them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're not famous. And yeah. I feel like, like, but they had a journey and this practice did something for them at a stage in their life. And also yeah. I think it's part of the story because when you're young and you start this practice and you see all these, you know, 50, 60 year old people practicing still. And when I say all these, I mean like 10 of them. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, it's really not many, is it? No. And then you think, oh, well, that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna practice the same way, doing the same sequence of postures till I'm 80. And that's no, just not the reality. And I think it's reality. really important to share the full yeah. story and the full picture because I would, it's. I would love to, I would love to experience how you teach, actually, because yeah. I mean, I don't think I've even ever been to one of your no. class. I have You'll have to come. Now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be kind of in the corner just doing my, like, um, yeah. my friend, what used to, Scott, you know Scott, um, used to yeah, call his grandma. Yeah. What I'll be nice. doing. You can do whatever you want. I can't even do upward dog. So that's exactly what I'd be doing. I would just be, no, I can't. And I, so I'd like, I would just really, I would like roll around on the floor and do my, what do you call that? The cobra pose. I do my little cobra pose and that's, yeah, that's about it. Oh. Yeah. That's, mm. it. That's, that's all you've got to show for thirty years of doing yoga. Yes, yeah, osteo <laughs> osteoarthritis. That's all I have to show for it. <laughs> that's what I've developed. Yeah, <laughs> one of the turning points for me. I remember going to a, an osteopath in Brighton, and I ha and I have a lot of hip stuff now. Well, not a lot, but it's you know it bothers me and various mm -hmm. other joints. Um. And I remember going, yeah, it just like really hurts when I put my leg behind my head um, in my practice. And he was and like, stand up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you don't do that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, how about you fuck off, mate? <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I was ready. I was ready yeah. because like, I was de I'd definitely been said, you know, that I had, had that advice before and I was not ready. Um, but at that time, I was like, oh, my God, that's the permission I need. I never put my leg behind my head. Again. Oh, God. <laughs> I gave myself that permission, like, last way. year. I said, I'm never, I'm just, I'm not going to put my foot behind my head again. I'm, it's not worth it for the amount of suffering that I experienced afterwards. Yeah. yeah, no. When was that? When did you decide that? Sorry. Last year, I think um, I was... Or the year before, I think, but I think it was last year. It was a COVID decision. And I was like, I'm putting my foot by my head. And it was like, you know what? I can't, the, the little bone spur goes right out into the, 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 yeah. the muscle, into the, the nerve, each maybe. time I do this. And I think I'm really, I'm done and I, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. I mean, I I kind of feel like you know I'd like to do it again one day, but I don't know if I will mm -hmm. ever, you know, or if I can, or any yeah. of it, or if it's worth but, it, or if it's worth it, <laughs> or if it certainly doesn't make you a better person. And, no, you know, 
It I... makes you a more well-rounded person. The <laughs> <laughs> shape. You're so, so rounded. <laughs> On a very superficial level, yes. That's a well, very by not, doing it, by not oh. doing it can turn you into a more rounded person. That's my yeah. Oh, we just alienated half our audience who's never put their foot behind their head, but that's a that's an inside joke right there. My God, <laughs> the rounding of the spine. Yeah, yeah, deep. <laughs> Thank you for the explaining that to our listeners. Rounding at home. of the spine, well rounded. Mm. There we go. <laughs> you will experience a profound rounding of the spine. So profound, so profound. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sophie. You're totally awesome, Sophie. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking